I have a confession to make. I had the idea to write a book for years before I finally put pen to paper and published the book. So the big question is this, how do people like me who battle doubt and insecurity push past their fears and publish a book? Well, that is the question, and this podcast is going to give you the answers. So join me as I bring you behind-the-scenes interviews and insights so that you can move forward and publish your book with boldness and courage. My name is Coach Tam, and this is Publishing Secrets. Well, welcome back to Book Publishing A to Z. You are joining us in part three of the series, and if you haven't already, want to encourage you to check out part one and two. In this episode, we are starting with the letter I and our term to kick things off is actually an abbreviation, I-S-B-N. Now, if you have been thinking about self-publishing a book, you've probably seen this term, but may not have fully understood what it meant. So, Let's break this down. ISBN stands for International Standard Book Number. And as the name implies, you've probably guessed that it is a way of identifying your book. Or said another way, it's a way of distinguishing your book from others. So each book receives their own ISBN. These days, the ISBN number would be 13 digits in length. And it is used internationally. So it's used both in the U.S. and abroad. Now, this number is important because let's say you wanted to get your book into a library. Your ISBN number would help the library identify and find your particular book. So you want your book to have a ISBN number. Let's talk about how you get an ISBN. It actually varies depending upon where you are. So if you're located outside of the United States, there is going to be a local ISBN agency. If you Google, you'll be able to identify where you can get those assigned locally. If you are here in the United States or in the UK, ISBN numbers are administered by Boker, B-O-W-K-E-R, and Nielsen. And in order to get an ISBN number, you will have to pay a fee. But again, as you've heard me say, publishing a book is starting a business. So consider this one of the startup costs for your book business. So a couple of things here, often the source that you're using to publish your book will offer you the opportunity to get an ISBN through them. For example, Amazon will grant you a free ISBN number. But just a word of caution, that ISBN can only be used on Amazon KDP. Okay, so it cannot be used on any other self-publishing services. So that means, for example, if you're publishing on Amazon, but then you also want to publish on Kobo, then you need a different ISBN number. So often what happens as a new author going through this process, you end up with several ISBNs for the different platforms. 
So as an alternative, my recommendation would be for you to purchase your own ISBN number so that you have one singular ISBN for your book, okay? So you can do this by heading on over to the website for the ISBN numbers, myidentifiers.com. This site is run by Boker and will allow you to purchase your ISBN number directly. As of the time of this episode, it was $125 for one ISBN, or you can purchase in bulk of 10, 100, or 1,000. Now, you may be thinking, well, as a new author, do I really need more than one ISBN? I believe that the answer is yes. Let me tell you why, right? Your ISBN is only good for that particular format of the book, okay? So if you get an ISBN for your print book, but you're also planning on having a audiobook, then you'll need an ISBN for your audiobook. So you can see here that, you know, when you think about having a book in print, an ebook, an audiobook, and then that you may down the road want to publish a revised or updated version of your book, you're also going to need new ISBNs for all of those situations. So for that reason, it actually is not uncommon and could be a very wise business move for you to go ahead and purchase 10 ISBNs, which at the time of this episode was just $295. So instead of paying $125 for one, now you drop the price to under $30 for each when you purchase 10. All right, so just some things to think about. The good news is that ISBNs don't expire or go bad, so you'll be able to use them even if it takes you some time, for example, to put out that audiobook or to put out that revision. So don't worry about your money going to waste. So there we have it, ISBNs. Make sure that you get one for your book. Let's talk about keywords. Move on to K, let's talk about keywords. Now, chances are you've probably heard mention of keywords before in this age of the internet, but you may not have known how it really applies to you as an author. So here's a very simple way of thinking about this, all right? So think of keywords as what the reader is going to put into the search engine in order to find something that's going to help them with the problem that they have or the questions that they are looking to answer. So imagine, you know, you have a particular need and you're going out to Google. What are you typing into that little box? Or if you're going to Amazon, what are you typing into that little search box in order to find what you need? That's exactly what we're talking about when we talk about keywords. So in order to put these to work for you, the key is to put yourself in the mindset of a reader. Put yourself in the mindset of a reader, not as the author. 
as a reader, when they go looking for what you have to offer in your book, what are they going to be entering? I want you to spend some time brainstorming that and being able to strategically select keywords that best describe your book. And what you're going to do with that is make sure that those keywords are being used to your advantage. You're going to include those in your author bio. You're going to include those in your book description so that you guessed it. When the reader goes out and they're looking for that solution to their problem or answer to their question, then your book can come up in the list. Now, they may not have known that you existed, but because they know what they need, they know what terms they need to enter in order to find solutions, then you come up in the list. So you want to get really good at identifying those keywords and phrases and making sure that you weave them in to your book description, your bio, your information on Author Central, on Amazon, anywhere that you can. You want to leverage those keywords so that it will, in essence, attract your ideal reader to you. All right. Make sure that you use keywords to your advantage. All right, let's talk about pricing. P, pricing. Now, this is an important topic because there's so much wrapped up in pricing. And you know, as I think about it, not just for the book, because many of the aspiring authors that I work with have a desire to use their book as a platform to build a coaching, consulting, or speaking business. So pricing is also going to be in play as they price their coaching and consulting packages and they set their fees as a speaker. So this is an important thing to get a grasp on as early as possible. Remember, books are a business and businesses have to think about things like pricing strategy. So let's think about this again, putting ourselves in the mind frame of the reader. Now, this is really, really important because if we only think about it from our point of view as an author, then we're going to be thinking about the countless hours that we invested in researching and writing the book. We're going to be thinking about, you know, how much we paid for the book cover. Prayerfully, you got a professionally designed book cover. So that that should be a little bit of an investment. We're thinking about that. We're thinking about, you know, the investment that we made to make sure that the book was formatted correctly. We talked about that in part two, what we paid to the copy editors and all of those things. Right. So all of that, of course, adds up. And as we've talked about in previous episodes, those are startup costs to your business. So you want to make sure that you are putting your best foot forward. So we don't want to, you know, chinch on those things. We want to make sure that we're making an investment that's going to give us return, right? But here's the deal. Those things, those investments that we've made do not determine the price that we're setting for our book. At least I don't recommend that you use that as the pricing strategy for your book, because ultimately where you're going to earn 
the bulk of your income, a topic for another day, but quickly where you're going to earn the bulk of your income is on what happens after the book. So as you launch your coaching program, as you launch your consulting program, as you start getting those paid speaking engagements, for example, or launch your online course, the book is just one step and one piece of the puzzle. So everything doesn't rest upon the book, at least not in my point of view. So instead, what I encourage you to think about this as a way of attracting people to you and what you have to say. And so that means that the price needs to be reflective of the value that the client, the reader is going to get and what they believe is acceptable or reasonable for a book in your genre. We talked about that in part two. What is the typical price point, what is the typical expectation in your particular field? Now, this is also going to vary depending upon the type of book that you want to write. Now, I specialize in working with people that are writing nonfiction books that, again, are being used to build that, you know, coaching, consulting or speaking career. But let's say that you were, you know, intending to write a novel where there's a reasonable price point, if you will, for novels that is different from a nonfiction book. All right. So, for example, a novel might be in that $2.99 type of bracket, whereas a nonfiction book could be $9.99 or more. So make sure that you do the research on kind of the price ranges for your particular genre. So that's one thing that I encourage you to consider. But then also think about what your pricing would communicate to the reader and ultimately your future client. So there's a sweet spot that you want to hit with your price. You don't want it to be too low because then that can imply that it's inferior quality. You don't want it to be too high, especially if this is your first book because there are other books in that category that may be from more well-known authors and now the potential reader is comparing and they're trying to decide, well, is this book really equivalent or as valuable as these other books, right? So there's a little bit of art and science in this strategy. And there's a few ways that we could go. We could go, you know, with a price that allows us to sell the most volume, which is going to be a little bit lower. We could choose a middle ground, you know, not too high, not too low, or we could communicate a high perceived value by going with a higher price. We just have to make sure that if we take that route, that the reader that stumbles upon our book believes that the value is there and that we have the credibility to command that price. So there's gonna have to be a little strategy involved here, depending upon your genre and the perceived value that you want to set for your book. There's also the element of what type of book is it, right? Ebooks have one strategy for pricing, whereas hardcover books have another. So there's so many things to think about when you're pricing your book. Now, of course, 
I've said a lot here, but if I were to sum it up, you know, my approach is generally to go with that middle of the road type of option. And in the nonfiction space, I would be thinking, you know, $4.99 ish for the ebook, $16.99 ish for the paperback, $24.99 around that bracket for a hardcover book. All right. So that's on the higher end. That's if you have that reputation and that branding in place. If you're just getting started, a great place to start, maybe around that $6.99 for your ebook, $13.99 to $16.99 for a paperback, and then somewhere between $18.99 and $21.99 for hardcover. Right? Those are just some options you'll want to do some prayer and study on your own, but just keep in mind that it communicates something about you and the book with your pricing. And you also have to consider that there are competitors in your space and your reader, like it or not, is often comparing between you and them. All right, let's talk about our last term for today the literary agent, the literary agent. So this term is relevant when you are thinking about going the traditional publishing route. So a lot of the terms that we've talked about today have been relevant for the self-publisher. Those are things that you need to think through. But this one is when you have that dream to have your book picked up by a publishing house It's highly recommended. I won't say it's required, but it's highly recommended that you obtain a literary agent, also known as a book agent, to help be the intermediary between you and the key players that can get you that book publishing deal. Listen, you've got to understand that traditional publishing is a business that operates on relationships. And so as a new budding author who does not have those connections and relationships, you need to lean into someone who already has them, that has already built a network versus, you know, you trying to come in there as the unknown and convince people that have no idea who you are to give you a chance. I'm not saying that it can't happen, but getting a literary agent helps to reduce the friction, to make that process easier and faster because they know how the book industry works. They have the relationships already and they can act as your advocate. So They are the ones that can approach the publishers and the editors to help get your book picked up. But it's not just getting your book picked up. Again, they are your advocate. So they want to make sure that you get the best deal and that your book is positioned for success. So there are so many hats that a literary agent wears. Now, again, 
it's possible to get published by a traditional publishing house without having an agent, but honestly, it's unlikely. It's just so much harder to get an editor to look at your book proposal or manuscript if you do not have a literary agent. Now, notice that I said an editor because this you may not have heard, but it's actually an editor that's going to set you up to get that publishing deal. And the literary agents know what editors are looking for what type of book and have experience in different genres. So if you go out on your own, it could be very possible that you could approach a person that doesn't specialize in the type of book that you want to write. So having this literary agent is important because they act as your liaison. They help introduce you to the right editor for your particular book. So they, they know who buys books in your area of expertise. They know the market trends. They keep their fingers on the pulse of the industry. They will even help you. A good literary agent will help you shape your manuscript so that you can have the best possible chance with an editor and they'll help negotiate the terms of your contract. Now, a part of this is because they get, as the agent representing you, they get a percentage of the deal that is negotiated. So the agent typically operates only on commission and they're only paid when you as the author is paid. So you may have heard that the state of commission is around 15%, but know that the literary agent is not getting paid for all the work that they do prior to landing the deal. And it doesn't always work out. So when it does, and this deal comes together largely because of their network and relationships, they deserve that commission of 15%. Now, of course, you do want to do your due diligence and make sure that the literary agent is someone that you feel good about, prayed about that person, you trust them because you are counting on them to advocate on your behalf and you want to make sure that you have the right person for your particular project. All right, so we're going to wrap this up for today. We've covered a lot of great terms. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. Next time we come back, we're going to spend some time in the letter P. There's so much here. We're going to talk about personas. We don't talk about that enough, in my opinion, in the book publishing industry. We're going to talk about personas. We're going to talk about print on demand, which is important as a self-published author. We're going to talk about the importance of proofs. And what in the world does a book publicist do? I'll see you right here for A to Z part four. God bless. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed this week's episode of Publishing Secrets, where our mission is to inspire you to write, publish, and profit in a way that honors God. If this episode has been a blessing to you, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, then rate and review. And if you want support in your journey, whether you are a current author or an aspiring author, then join us on Facebook in the Christian Authors Network. Wherever you are in your journey, we have the best next step for you. So join us there and get the support that you need 
to make the impact that you have been called to make. Until next time, God bless.